Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. To kick this one off, we're going to bounce back to last week's episode where we talked about hidden threats to tarantulas in the home. Some folks offered up some other hidden threats that are out there that I figured I would mention because they are worth mentioning. So first one was from Rockhound. She mentioned that the direction of your air conditioner could also be like an open door in the wintertime and worse because it's constant. And that is a great one. There are many people out there who keep tarantulas in their living room or in an area where there is air conditioning. And again, I, I know people are probably sitting there thinking that would be counterintuitive because everybody's trying to keep their tarantulas warm. But if you're just knocking down, if you have a really hot room, sometimes sometimes you need the air conditioner. Or sometimes you just have a small shelf in the living room on a warmer corner of the room or up high. And your air conditioner is the opposite end of the room, and it doesn't bother them at all. So I know there's going to be people that be like, wait a minute, who would run an air conditioner? Well, this guy does. I'll tell you that. This room up here, if we have a heat wave, can hit in the 90s and maintain its, it, it'll hold that temperature for a little while, and that's a bit too high for my guy. So I do have a small air conditioner in the window. And as Rockhound pointed out, when I first started running it, I realized the vents, they usually have the vents that you can kind of alter the direction that the wind flow goes or the airflow goes. One of them was pointed to the right where there was a shelf with tarantulas on. I put my hand there and realized it was hitting the enclosure. So I had to make sure that the vents were blowing straight ahead so as not to hit any of the cages or any enclosures directly. So that's a really good one there. Make sure that if you are using an air conditioner in your room, that it is not directly hitting the tarantulas because that's going to be like, like she said, a, a constant draft going through and hitting that cage. Same thing as having like an open door, an open window right next to it. So good one there. Uh, that, that We could definitely add that one to the list. Uh, Iris Knits, hopefully I said your name right mentions that house spiders can be a threat to tarantulas and particularly slings. She said that they can actually harm the adult tarantulas. She mentions false widows in here. I have not heard of that, but I'm not surprised if that could happen. Now, I will share a little story. I've had some larger enclosures back when I had the gnats where I got some house spiders, and the house spiders were in the upper corners of the enclosures of the larger spiders. So a lot of my arboreal ones, every once in a while, you get a little house spider in the top. And I used to leave them in there because when the gnats would come in the enclosures, they'd eat up all the gnats. And they never seemed to bother the tarantulas any. However, that is a very good point, that if you let a strange spider, house spider, into your tarantula enclosure and leave it there, there is a potential for that being able to get startled or, if God forbid, it's on the ground. I don't know. I guess that could be a threat to it. Again, not... Something I've experienced before and not something I've really given thought to or, or heard of before, It's but it's got me thinking. I mean, God forbid, who knows what I had inside those enclosures. These were the little, I, I wish I could actually identify them. I probably should identify them before I mention them, but they were just a little skinny. They almost looked like daddy long legs. You would sit up in the top of the enclosures and they would pick off any gnats or anything that would go in there. And I, I used to allow it for a couple of cages. I kind of liked it because it was like natural pest control for within the enclosures. I also used to have a lot of spiders in like wild spiders in the tarantula room. There were always, when we moved our house so recently, I had to clean up so many webs and spiders because I allowed them to be in there. Because again, a lot of times if you have spiders, you end up with little gnats. If something, you know, rots and you don't catch it right away, they form almost overnight and these guys would just snatch them all up. It was great. So also, she brings up the very good point that they are a huge threat to slings. When people lose slings, the sad truth is, 
Normally, they don't find them because the slings are predated on by other house spiders, by house spiders. So that's a big deal. And yes, I've told people many times, like, I'm hoping this sling pops up somewhere, you know, bigger and fatter. In theory, if they found a warm spot in your house, there's probably plenty enough for them to eat early on to survive, but they get picked off by the house spider. So yes, that would be another threat of spiders. Keep the, you know, obviously... We're not going to go letting our slings out into the house, but something to think about. Now, I'll have to look up and try to find that information on the, what is it, Statota bipunctata is the scientific name. I believe that's false widows, but I'll have to look up and see if I can find anything about them actually attacking full-grown spiders. And Brendan Bain came with a question. I was curious if incense sticks would have an effect on tarantulas. I burn them in rooms that are close to them, but never in the same room. We kind of covered this. I I did a podcast early on. uh, Oh, God, probably a year. I'm losing track of time. I think we're on our fourth year now. So we did an earlier one where we talked about things in the home that people were asking, could they be harmful? If you're not burning them in the same room, I would guess they're probably fine. I would not burn an incense stick or a scented candle or spray Febreze or anything like that in an actual room where there are tarantulas. But if you know you walk in the tarantula room, you can kind of smell it a little bit, but it's not the actual smoke isn't curling up through the room and dissipating through the room. I would guess that you would be okay. Uh, again, we talked about before about the you know candles, vaping, smoking. Those things are a definite no-no in the room with the tarantulas. You don't want them. You know just as much as vaping and smoking can be harmful for humans, it would be likely harmful for tarantulas. So keep that stuff away from the actual room they're in. If it's right next door and it's wafting through a doorway, you may want to close the doorway so they don't get you know hammered with it. But I've spoken to a lot of people over the course of the years who smoke a lot of different things in their house. But the thing is always to make sure they're not in the tarantula and that they're not getting hit with those fumes or that smoke or nobody wants a, a high tarantula. So not that that's what you ask, but then that's one of the things that also comes out quite a bit is I've, I've received that question. Hey, you know, we light up after work. Is that a bad thing? Yeah, keep the smoke and stuff away from the tarantulas. Keep anything perfumed direct, you know, from being directly in contact with the tarantulas in the tarantula room. It's just honestly good practice. And on an unrelated note, but kind of related because I've been picking up a lot of books on spiders and tarantulas and such lately, Amberly Hoffman recommended The Tarantula Gallery to me. I will be doing a podcast coming up on some of the tarantula and spider literature I've been reading. I've been kind of branching out a little bit. I picked up a couple amazing books, one of them on spider biology. I mean, kind of geeky stuff. Like, not everybody's going to want to read this stuff because it is pretty heavy reading. But it's just fascinating to hear the diversity that is out there in the spider world. And I also saw a couple good ones that had tarantulas in it. This was one of the ones that's literally sitting in my Amazon cart as we speak. Thank you, Amberly. I will definitely pick that up now. I was talking to my buddy, Louis Roquet, and kind of seeing what he had in his library and trying to pick some stuff up because, again, when, you know, I, I... find myself so fascinated with tarantulas in general and now just spiders in general that I kind of want to branch out a little bit and start hearing about some of these other amazing creatures out there. I mean, the good thing is I named it Tom's Big Spider, so nobody can tell me that I'm, you know, changing focus or whatever because it was never Tom's Tarantulas. That was the original name we batted around and we all looked at each other and giggled and like people will make fun of me. So we did Tom's Big Spider so that was equally as goofy, but definitely branching out a bit lately and kind of reading as much as I can about spiders because, again, I've been limited to tarantulas for so long and I'm not getting away from tarantulas. Tarantulas, I, I adore them. Like that's my thing. But for a long time, I stayed away from true spiders because a lot of it was just due to the lifespan. 
And I realize I'm missing out now. So doing a lot of research there, but it just so happens that the Tarantula Gallery was one of the books that I was looking at. So thank you so much, Amberly, for the recommendation. I will definitely pick that up. And that'll be one of the ones I talk about when I do my, my book reviews. And these will be good book reviews because I know last time that I did the book reviews, people thought I was a little bit snotty. Although I do want to do one of those again because there's some stuff out there that I've seen that's just terrible, but we'll see how it goes. So anyway, today's topic involved children and tarantulas. I kind of covered this way back. And unfortunately for me, I ended up going back, I think it was episode four, and I put my earphones on. And my God, for the people that were there from the beginning, thank you for giving me a shot because that was painful to the ears. I have a tendency to whistle my S's. Uh, When I first started out, I had this cheap microphone. It was like 20 bucks. It had good ratings on Amazon. I had no pop filter on it, which helps protect against the whistled S's and the popped P's. And oh my Lord, that hurt my head. Like I couldn't even get through much of it because I was going back. I'm like, I know I covered this before, but I just kind of did it briefly. Thank you for anybody here that was there from day one. Thank you for sticking with me as we kind of cleaned things up a little bit and made this a little more palatable for the ear. But I digress. We're going to be talking about children and tarantulas today because I think what's happening in the hobby, especially I've noticed over the whole pandemic year and year and a half, or what are we dragging out, almost two years now, a lot of folks have discovered the tarantula hobby. They're bored, they're at home, you know, they're ordering spiders, they're reading, and it's awesome because it's a big boom in the hobby. However, I've noticed a lot of folks lately that are getting into the hobby have families, and that tends to freak them out a bit, whether it be just the idea of bringing tarantulas, venomous arachnids, themselves into the home where they have children, maybe babies, or we'll get into this part as well for the folks that start to find that they want to get old worlds, but you know, maybe they promised a spouse that they would never get old worlds, or maybe they're having those nightmares where they wake up in the middle of the night. What happens if my OBT gets out and ends up in my kid's bed? A lot of good questions, a lot of things. And I think a lot of people come to me and ask questions about it because they know I have a family. I have four kids, although the oldest has now moved out and has a kid of his own, but I have three still living here. Youngest is 10. And when I started all this, the majority of them were all small kids. Actually, obviously, when I got my first tarantula back in the 90s, my oldest was just a, a toddler. So it's it's a difficult question for some because it, there is always an inherent risk involved when you bring something like this in your home, a pet like this in a home, whether it be snakes, whether it be tarantulas, whether it be centipedes, whatever it may be. I Back in the 90s, I had an entire room full of snakes. I had a snake in my living room. So we had a living room and we had this little like outcropping that came off of the living room that had windows all around it. And in this space, we had this huge like four foot by four foot by eight foot snake enclosure with a beautiful albino Burmese python, El Santanico pandemonium. Let's see how many people catch that reference, movie reference. Anyway, that was like the centerpiece of our living room. And uh, although I felt good about having it, it had a locked door, my son would never open the door up or, any, or anything. There were moments where you'd like read something in the news where, you know, a kid attacked by pet snake and stuff like that. And I'd start to question how smart it is to have this giant animal in the middle of my living room. Like, was it safe? I think we all go through that, even when we're confident. I mean, I worked with snakes for a while. We The one time we had a snake escape, it was because we had friends over and their daughter, who they did not watch, went over and opened the cage and left it wide open. And the first snake that I ever got, it was an albino 
King Snake disappeared. That was it. It was I was devastated. I was upset. Like I told him, please keep your daughter away from my, the the cages. But that's something you have to think about, and that's where I think it gets into our heads. We get that little sliver of doubt. Where we're like, all right, we know our kids aren't going to open these guys up. But what happens if they friend? We have friends over. What happens if they have friends over? So anyway, let's start with just the whole children with tarantulas thing. You know, as far as giving a child a tarantula as a pet, that one comes up quite a bit. And I have people think, ask me, do you think it's a good idea? I, when I do my beginner's list, I've explained this to people ad nauseum because they, they get frustrated when you do a beginner's list. Like, I, I'm technically a beginner, but I jumped right in with an OBT. That's great. But I always think of a beginner. I picture a young, a young man, young woman who are, you know, 10, 12 years old who have seen tarantulas. They've watched some YouTube videos. They decide they're, they're going to ask their parents to get a tarantula. And they're keeping their first tarantula. That's what I always think of. So could it make a good pet for a kid 10 to 12 years old with supervision and if with a kid who's responsible? Everybody knows their own children. And I would never look at somebody else and go, hey, your kid's not responsible enough. They shouldn't have this. But I think we're all, if we're good parents, we know which of our kids. Like, I can point to the kids, my kids, that would have done great with one in their room. I can point to the ones that it would have ended up with a dead spider or would have been out and about in their room. You recognize where your kid is at. If you have a a child that is of that age, that is responsible, that you know, that preferably preferably that has seen you work with your own spiders and knows about them, then I think with supervision, you could probably have a, they could have a pet tarantula. It's kind of, it's that age group where kids first start getting their first pets. And usually we used to joke the disposable pets. I do not feel like they're disposable. I want to make that very clear, but parents get them something like a hamster or a gerbil or something that's, it's not a long-term commitment. You know, it's not like a dog or a cat. Unfortunately, if they screw up, it's like, uh oh, we'll bury it in the yard and no more pets. Again, I don't agree with it, but I've spoken to a lot of parents like, yeah, I really want a pet. We got my gerbil figure. What the heck? They kind of fall in that category of animals that, you know, they'd be kind of hands off. Obviously, they don't require a lot of care, which makes them a great first pet. You get in the habit of feeding them, but say the kid forgets to feed them for a week. No harm, no foul, because they don't need to be fed every week. They can be every other week. You can buy your kids crickets once a month, and they can go in and feed them, and that's the only time the cage opens. I spoke to a parent who they had a pet tarantula. They got their kids pet tarantulas, but they got locking enclosures. So when the kids wanted to do any of the maintenance or anything, the parent was there to supervise. They couldn't get the enclosure open without the parent there. So feeding times, they said they would go up once a month. They would buy you know four or five crickets. They would unlock the enclosure. The kid would go in, dump them in. They'd watch it eat. The kid would pick out boluses or whatnot. They'd fill the water dish and then they'd close it and lock it right back up. They said that way they didn't have to worry about curiosity getting the better of the kid, the kid being dared by friends to open it up and play with it or have a friend go and reach in. I think that's a pretty darn good idea because I do think as far as pets are concerned, as far as early pets are concerned, they can, they're great animals for teaching that responsibility because of the fact that they are so hardy, that they don't need to eat constantly, that there are people that keep them out there without water dishes. So it's not even like, you know, I hear horror stories of people like, oh my gosh, it hit 90 degrees in my kid's room and the gerbil's water thing ran out and the gerbil was dead. Like terrible stuff like that. With these guys, they're going to be okay. So I do think they can make good pets, but with the caveat, there needs to be some type of supervision and some parental oversight just to make sure. But again, I think for folks that ask me the question, 
could, should I get my younger kid a tarantula? Those, that's what I would ask. Is your kid responsible? Just because they're not responsible. I know I wasn't responsible at 10 years old. I don't think I was responsible at 12 years old. Billy would probably argue that I have moments I'm not responsible now. But knowing your kid, knowing what they're you know capable of, knowing, again, I think a big part of it is if they've seen you. I'm, I'm assuming anybody listening to this podcast right now has an interest in tarantulas, has tarantulas of their own. So mostly I'm addressing folks that already have them. For folks that don't have spiders, this would be a much longer podcast why I'd have to explain a lot of things about them because I do think that's a little trickier. For I've heard, been emailed by people that the parents have gone out and they're like, hey, my kid really wanted a, a rose hair. One of the worst ones was my kid really wanted a rose hair tarantula. We went out and bought her one. She wants to handle it, but it seems kind of mean. Well, long story short, I get pictures of it. It's a Formictibus cancerides. Like, you don't want to handle that one hands off. But then I end up explaining all the things about tarantulas to the parent, like the fact that, you know, yeah, you can take the sponge out of the water dish. Yes, they you don't need to feed them every day, things of that nature. So I do think with a parent that isn't interested in spiders, there's more of a learning curve for both of them involved. But for you guys, for everybody listening here, I'm assuming you all have them or have a passing interest in them. If you do and they've seen you work with them, that's a plus. Now, as far as folks who are just scared in general about bringing tarantulas into their home because they have younger children, and again, obviously younger children there's that natural curiosity. It's, it's part of being human. It's part of being a human child. You explore, you figure things out, you, you know, check out your environment, you check out especially the things that the parents say are off limits. Those are going to be the things that are most fascinating to you that you're dying to get into. And we need to keep that in mind. So years ago, I spoke to somebody, they emailed me and they were talking about how they had tarantulas and they had a locked office. The kids weren't allowed in their office. They did, I forget what they did for a living, but the kids weren't allowed in that office. And that's, they decided that would be the best place for the tarantulas because the kids never go in the office anyway. Then they'd be hands off the tarantulas. They wouldn't get into them. They wouldn't get in any trouble. So fast forward a little while, the office door is always locked. Well, guess what ends up happening? Inevitably, you don't lock the office door. Well, what happened was the kids got into the office and we're checking, they had friends over, they got into the office, they moved a couple things around, but they didn't harm the spiders per se. They didn't personally harm the spiders, but they left the door slightly ajar and the cat got in. But then the cat was the one that went around and knocked a bunch of things down. They ended up with a spider losing a leg. One of them got out. It was a bit of a nightmare. And we were talking about how the kids, unfortunately, because they weren't allowed to go in that room, that's the one room in the house they are dying to get into. So as soon as that door was left open, they were in it. And I think with if you have tarantulas, if you decide to bring tarantulas or spiders or, or any type of exotics into your home, you can't create a situation where they're completely 100% hands and eyes off. And by that, I mean, you don't want to create this environment that, hey, this is some taboo forbidden thing that dad does or that mom does, and you guys can't have any part of it. You have to invite your children to kind of be part of the hobby with you. That's what gets rid of that. And I believe we just talked about this in a recent po uh, podcast, that fascination aspect where it becomes an obsession, where it's like, I can't do that. As a kid, when you tell them you can't do this, I, I remember my mom, like, you can't watch these movies because they're naughty. And then I'd, what, what I'd do, I'd go to a friend's house, like, hey, let's rent this because my mom said it was bad. I'm dying to see what it's about. That You don't want to create that level of fascination. You almost want it to become like just having a house cat or a dog. I always tell people, my, people will ask me about my kids and, oh, are they fascinated by what you do? No, not at all. Not even at all. As a matter of fact, my son just keeps telling me when he moves out and gets his own house, he's going to have a bunch of snakes, which I had years ago. He doesn't remember them very well. He's more obsessed with the things that we don't have here than the things we have a lot of. Because in my house, walking in and having a nine-inch tarantula molt sitting right on the kitchen counter is normal. 
walking in and finding dad sitting there feeding a bunch of giant tarantulas. That's normal. Us doing an unboxing or a rehousing on the dining room table back in the day is normal. There's no fascination there. Their friends come over and they'll, they're, they've always been great with it. Their friends obviously are a little fascinated by it. So they'll go, Hey dad, can I take the, you know, John into the tarantula room and show him the, the animals? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. No problem. Because I know I can trust them. They tell kids, you don't touch anything. We're not taking anything out. He doesn't handle it. They know it. They've heard it. It's old hat. So I think for those asking that are interested in bringing them into their home that are worried about their children, make it part of your normal family routine. As strange as that sounds, tarantulas should be no different than, you know, having a dog or a cat or a gerbil or a ferret. It's just an animal. You will see that the kids will inevitably get, and the ones that aren't, the ones that are fascinated by it, then you're looking at your future, you know, tarantula keepers, your future YouTubers, your future podcasters. You definitely want to foster that type of enthusiasm and interest but I'm most of the kids will be like eh, whatever or some of them will be like oh you're feeding I'll watch you won't breed that unhealthy level of fascination that leads to things going wrong that leads to kids going in there and trying to show them off to their friends that lead to them going in there by themselves and trying to handle them or feed them themselves you won't have to worry as much about that so I think that's the key that's the only thing I would say the only caveat a caveat I would have for folks that don't have them yet that are looking to get them that are worried that the kids are going to be an issue make them part of the hobby with you not make them not force them but allow them to come in and see when you do an unboxing have them there keep them obviously to safe distance but have them there when you feed talk about what you're doing teach them because then it becomes something that's they you know some of them will want to be part of feeding will want to help the majority of them I think will probably be like all right dad just playing with the spiders again I'm going to go play Fortnite or something but you don't have that situation where they're trying to get into them when you're not around and then the other thing to just keep in mind, and we've spoken about this already, but when they have friends over, that's going to be the hot spot. That's going to be the place, you know, I just shared the story with mine. Mine have always been very good about it. They know darn well I'm not playing around when it comes to my spiders. So if one of their friends says, and I don't know if this has ever happened, but hey, can we take one out or can we do it? They're going to be like, absolutely not, no way, and I don't think it would ever be a problem. So that would be the other thing. I would just be careful when you have company over, when you have family over. Sometimes the kids end up you know, in the tarantula room, and they're not supervised. That would be the spot where something's going to go wrong. You know, we talk about with tarantula bites and stuff and escapes that usually, if it's going to happen, it's going to be during the rehousing. Well, if you have a tarantula collection and you have a lot of spiders or exotics in your house, the point where something's going to escape or get knocked over is probably going to be when there is company over and there are kids over, they're inquisitive, they're curious, they get in there, they go, oh, what happened? let me open this up and see what happens if I blow on it, whatever, next thing you know, you have a tarantula out. So that would be the spot that I would be careful. And again, with your kids, express to them that, you know, if you have friends over, there's no going in there. That would be a spot where if you have a door that you can lock and you have company over, I would advise you to lock the door because you never know. Most The good thing is most... The adults are usually terrified. That's what I've found. The adults don't want anything. Where is the transfer room? Are they around here? Are they in here? They don't want anything to do with it. The kids are the ones that want to go up and look at it. And then usually what happens, they get up there and they're a little overwhelmed, at least in my case. There are a lot of spiders up here and they kind of keep their arms pressed to their chests and they're like, oh my gosh. But you're always going to have those ones that are like, ooh, these are cool. Let me open these up. So that would be the spot I'd be careful with. Other than that, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. It's it's not. There are other animals, you know... You, I would honestly have to say, and this is coming from somebody who is a huge dog lover, we have four dogs, three pit bull crosses, actually we just found, we did a DNA test and found out one of them's pure pit, and it was the only dog in the house that I was wondering if it was had any pit in it, and then a yellow lab 
golden retriever mix, love dogs, love dogs. But I would say you're more likely to have an incident with the family pet, a nibble, a bite, an accidental scratch, somebody getting knocked down, than you would with the tarantulas, with any tarantula collection. That would be my my beliefs on that, again, just so long as you've involved the kids in the hobby. So not a big deal. I really don't, and I, I can't tell you, and I think part of it is obviously they are venomous animals. That We talk about the old worlds, new worlds, and we pretend like new worlds are completely harmless. Like, oh, well, it's just a little bite. They do have pretty decent sized fangs, and there is venom. And, you know, an adult would probably be disturbed to get bitten by one. Imagine a little kid getting bitten by one. And I think that's where our minds start to go, and that's why it's very important that you teach the kids that they're not, you know, and, and this is where it gets into you know the handling debate and everything I would personally teach my kids that they're not to be played with that they're not going to get anything out of it that you're risking getting bitten I know there's a thing now where I'm on a couple Facebook groups where people put handle at your own risk and show a picture of a tarantula sitting in their hand which is good because they are admitting that there is a risk involved that's awesome but I wouldn't I wouldn't teach my kids it was okay to handle you know if that's something they get older and start doing that's on them, but I wouldn't encourage handling. That would be my other caveat, at least until they get older, you know, they're teenagers, they're young adults, and they start doing things like that. Don't put your kid in a situation where they're going to get, they could possibly get bit or haired and then possibly end up, you know, God forbid, an emergency room with an infection. It's kind of doom and gloom there, but I wouldn't want my kid to get bit by a spider. That's just going to cause trauma, not only physical trauma, but mental trauma. So that would be my other caveat hands off even if you're somebody that handles them I would I personally wouldn't encourage it I know there's going to be people out there that are listening to this they're like oh we have one that I handle with my kid I'm not telling you how to parent I would not debate it you do what you need to do this would just be my advice to anybody that was looking to get their kids into the hobby to have these spiders in their home I wouldn't encourage it. What you do in your home is up to you. I just want to make that clear because I know for a fact now there's, I, I've spoken to people that have, they break the tarantulas out and their kids hold them, whatever. And it, it always makes me cringe a little bit because I know how unpredictable they can be, but that's their business, not mine. So that's the end of that. So if you come up and put nasty comments on Facebook, I'm just going to go, hey, sorry. It's just my two cents on it. They, we want to be responsible. We, we want the kids to enjoy the hobby. And all I can think of is one bite. I, I shared the story years ago where I tried to handle the queen and almost got bitten. Had I got bitten, I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now doing podcasts and videos about tarantulas. I would not. I probably would have accidentally killed the tarantula by throwing it up in the air. I would have felt terrible about killing it. I would have felt terrible about the fact that I got bit, which would have set me back with my arachnophobia. So I come to it from that angle. The Yes, maybe 99% of the time things go well and you have a nice bonding experience with your animal. But then I think about what about that 1% where the tarantula starts to fall off your hand and uses its fangs to grip onto your hand or on the kid's hand and just, I think it would be a terrible situation for the poor kid. So again, my opinion, not fact. Moving on from that one, we will get into the other big question I get from people is, hey, I've been keeping tarantulas for years and I have only new worlds, but I'm really getting the itch to pick up my first old world tarantulas. And then usually it's followed by, however, I have children in my house. What should I do? Is this a good idea? And this one can be a little bit trickier. Because we've, you know, I'm not going to beat the whole argument. When am I ready for old worlds to death again? We've we've covered that a million times. I believe it's a personal thing. You got to know when you're ready for it. I can't tell you. A forum can't tell you. A Facebook group can't tell you. You have to know. And unfortunately, for some people, they don't know until they actually get there. And in many cases, they get the first old world. They get their second old world. They get the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. All you know, the old worlds all over the place. And they're like, man, this is no problem at all. 
I've spoken to other folks who have picked up old worlds and they are terrified of them. They have crazy rehousings as a result because if you're scared, you're going to make mistakes when the thing starts to bolt or doesn't do what you want it to do immediately. That can create a dangerous situation. Now, you're sitting there, you live alone in your apartment, you're rehousing your OBT, you're scared of it, the OBT threat postures, spider starts running around, gets out, gets loose in your apartment. In that situation, you, the adult, are potentially at risk, and I will get into that a little bit further on. If you have a pet, those are at risk. A cat, I would say, is more at risk than anything, probably not so much a dog, but at least there's no kids involved. Now, take that situation. You're in your home, in your dining room, on your dining room table, or in your bathroom, and the thing gets out and gets somewhere out in your house. Now, it poses a risk to you. It poses a risk to your wife. It poses a risk to your pets. And it poses a risk to your children because I think the big fear is, say an OBT gets out, and we're using, I, I probably shouldn't have used an OBT because they get enough grief anyway, but anything, think of Pisolotheria species, think of, uh, I don't know, we'll go H. livis, any old world species. They're not going to stand in the middle of your living room and try to fight you. They're going to try to find some little nook or cranny to hold up in and probably come at night, out at night to try to hunt. Now, that's all fine and good, but I think the big fear is they do get around. I mean, I've heard some situations of people, you know, losing a spider on the first floor and finding it in an attic. They can move. They will they will explore the house at night. What if they end up in one of your kids' toys? Little Johnny goes to take out his little Castle Grayskull. I probably dated myself there. And play with it, and all of a sudden he realizes there's a spider in it, a tarantula. What if it ends up in one of their shoes? They will hide in spots like that. So... I want to make this point very clear before we move on with it. In my timekeeping, in reading countless Facebook group posts, uh, forum posts, doing research, I've yet to find a situation where somebody's tarantula escaped and harmed a child. I've yet to find a situation. And please feel free to chime in if you've read something with a link. I would like to have it. But I've, in the very least, I haven't seen any indications that people's spiders would get out and end up attacking them. And I've heard of pokies getting out. I know somebody that knocked over a thing full of HMAX. They got out into the house. You know, I've never heard of an instance of the spider, the pet spider, escaping, coming back and biting somebody. If it does happen, it's incredibly rare. So if somebody finds something again, we want to know about, but I haven't seen anything like that. And that's something to keep in the back of our minds that usually when a spider gets out, one of two things happens. You never see it again, or you find it somewhere, you know, at night, you turn the lights on, there it is, and they grab it. So that's something to keep in mind. They usually, if they escape, try to stay the heck away from people. And because it's loose in a whole home or apartment, they have a lot more spaces, a lot more space to do that. So I want to make that clear for folks that, you know, are freaking out about the whole old world thing. Usually if they get out, you don't see them again. Occasionally you find them, but they don't usually pose a threat. Now, does that mean it can't happen? Of course not. I do believe I've read situations where the spiders have gotten out and cats have found them. That's the cats that they're... They're good hunters. They're not going to play around. If they're out at night prowling around and they see something skitter across the floor, they're going at it. So that's something to be worried about. But it's usually not a human or a kid that ends up in any situation where they're in danger because they stumble upon it. Can it happen? Could it happen? Absolutely. Does it? It doesn't seem like it normally happens. Let's get that out of the way. And that's one of the things that's kind of was in the back of my mind when I moved into old worlds. I have a lot of people that will ask me, hey, you obviously have a lot of spiders. You obviously have a lot of old worlds and you have children and dogs and pets. That's the other thing people are concerned with, the pets. 
how do you feel about that? How do you sleep at night? Doesn't it worry you that they're going to get out? And without sounding cocky, I try to say, no, it doesn't worry me at all. I've had exactly one escape in my timekeeping, and it was a P-Sosme. It wasn't during rehousing. My rehousing's knock on wood have gone great. It was a P-Sosme that I bought an enclosure that had a gap under the hinge that I didn't see. And the P-Sosme as a sling escaped. I'm still beating myself up over it because I never did find it. Probably was eaten by a house spider. And that was it. It was gone. And I found it after the fact. I, the only good thing that came out of it is I was using the cage for a couple, the same type of enclosure for a couple other spiders. I was able to fix that issue. But that was the only time I have ever, ever lost a spider. The rest of them, every single one of them I have. I've never had an issue with it. Knock on wood, because I do have three house some huntsmen coming up, but we've never lost one. So I feel confident in my rehousings. I know we've said this before, but the point, I've said it a lot, the point where something's going to go wrong is usually during the rehousings. That's, you need to be on point. So for folks who are going to make this transition from new worlds to old worlds, I always tell them, make sure you're practiced on your basic husbandry. You know, you're cleaning out, you're cleaning out boluses, you know, you water dishes, that, the easy stuff. But also the big one is have practice, have a technique, have a system down, a safe system for your rehousings. That becomes even more paramount for people with children because you don't want a situation where you're, you know, you've got everything down and the HMAC bounces off the table, boop, and it's gone. It's under a heater or it's down a hole in your floor, whatever it may be. And now you're sitting there with the wife and kids in absolute horror going, oh no, what are we going to do? There is an old world venomous tarantula loose in our house. You don't want that situation. So I would say for anybody that's considering making that jump, it's even more important, more crucial that you know what you're doing during those rehousings. And I know I have people do the whole, well, how are you supposed to get experience with rehousings if you don't do rehousings? And how do you get experience rehousing old worlds if you don't rehouse old world? There are species that you can work with. I have more trouble, honestly, with my new world species usually than my old worlds. My old worlds generally, they'll throw a threat posture, which means they're stationary, or they'll try to scrunch down and hide. Both situations make them pretty easy to cup. You know, it's, it's a little unnerving sometimes to cup a spider that's throwing up a threat posture because they're slapping against the cup, but they're not moving at least. I've had more trouble with New World species bolting, running, teleporting, especially ones like uh, Salmopeus, Tapitacinius, things of that nature, uh, species of that nature. More issue with them than the Old World. So you can get adequate practice with some of those species before you jump into Old Worlds, which might actually be a little bit easier. But crucial that you know what you're doing because you don't want a situation and again I implore people whenever they ask me am I ready and sometimes I get people it's like well I've been keeping for a month and I really want a, a P Metallica do you have kids in the house do you have it make sure you know what you're doing before you get one because you don't want that situation where it's out and about is it likely going to harm your child no is the spider likely going to end up probably dead? Possibly. Are you going to be living in fear for a while, thinking that somebody's going to get bit? Surprise, you go to reach for your coat and there's a P. Metallica in it. Yep, just the stress of that wouldn't be worth it. So definitely make sure your rehousings are on point. And then again, I would only encourage people to make that transition with kids in the house if the kids have been involved in the hobby with them. And by that, again, I don't mean that they're necessarily doing feedings and rehousings and stuff, but that they are involved in, you know, when you're watching videos on them. I know, I can't tell you how many people listen to my podcast, which I love. I, if I was a kid, I'd be bored to tears by this, but I have people that are like, oh, my kid loves hearing your podcast. We love watching your videos. That's amazing because 
your child is then getting the same information you're getting. It's not only a cool activity that you're doing together, but again, you're keeping this from becoming something like, Ooh, dad's got tarantulas and they're taboo. I want to see them. I want to play with them. And more like you'll recognize it. They'll naturally learn that they can bite. I mean, kids aren't dumb and kids do. Most kids have that survival instinct where they start to recognize hey, when that bites that roach, that's nasty. I don't want those fangs in me. So the more exposed they are, the more they recognize, hey, that's hands off. I don't want to play with that. I mean, again, I'm sure there's always that, you know, one kid, that adrenaline, little adrenaline junkie to be that sees this and like, oh man, I can't wait to get my hands on one of those. But most kids are going to be like, they're going to see these day-to-day activities. And in the worst case scenario, it just becomes boring to them. The best case scenario, they just develop a healthy respect for them and recognize that that's not something, they're not animals to be trifled with. They're not animals to be played with. So if you're keeping new worlds and looking to make that transition, again, keep the kids involved. Make sure you're on point. Don't go into it, you know, haphazardly like, oh, well, you know, my G. Rosea gave me a run for my money, but I'm going to go, I'm sure it'll be easier with a a P. Metallica. Don't go in with that mentality. You as a parent have a responsibility to make sure that your pets don't pose a danger to everyone in your home, whether it be, you know, your dog's cats, your wife, you know, I'll tell you one thing, nothing could put a strain on a marriage <laughs> like a significant other, whether it be husband or wife, getting bitten by your escaped tarantula. Let's call that one as it is. And nothing's going to get you more in trouble with your spouse than one of your escaped tarantulas biting and harming their favorite cat or, God forbid, their kid, their child. So, definitely make sure you involve them. Definitely make sure you are ready. Be extra prepared. For people that don't have kids around the house, I always tell them to be prepared, but at least if they're not, it's just going to harm them. For folks who have kids, you better make darn sure you know what you're doing with it. This is not, I and I'm not trying to scare people off. I have now kept them for years. I will, if I'm being completely 100% honest, when I got my first couple old worlds, it was an OBT and it was a P. Vitata, and there were moments in the middle of the night where I'd wake up and be like, what if they got out? What if I left the cage open? What happens if that wasn't secure? What happens if one of the kids went in there? I would freak out a little bit. And that was a little bit of a source of anxiety until I got even more experience and started recognizing, no, we're, we're good. We know what we're doing here. But it takes a little while to get to that point. And it's up to the individual to recognize when they're at that point where they feel like they can safely handle these guys, especially when there are kids involved. And I suppose, it, honestly, even if you do have kids that are involved in the hobby and they see what you're doing. If you have younger children, like really young children, there's still always that X factor that they, even despite what they've seen, they'll go and try to get to them. So it doesn't hurt to have them in a place where kids can't easily reach them. I've seen folks that have put them on higher shelves. I've seen folks that, again, have kept them in locked offices. Not so much as a you can't go in this office type deal, but more like at the end of the night or when they have friends over, they can lock the door so nobody can get in. That's just being smart. That's just being prudent. That doesn't mean... The, tr- the difference between that and the earlier scenario is every other day that door is open, you're in there with the kids, you're showing them the spiders. It's not like this room is the secret room with the secret animals in it that you can't touch. It's more like, all right, you're having some friends over, we're going to keep this locked so there's no temptation. Or we're having company over, we're going to keep this locked so, you know, cousin Bobby doesn't come in here and knock over a bunch of shelves or whatever. So I would say as far as keeping tarantulas in your home, it shouldn't be a big deal. They're not, again, I think the thing that freaks everybody out, they are venomous animals, but I would also say that if you pay attention to what you're doing, they are easily contained. They make sure you get proper enclosures. That would be another thing. None of this 
None of these enclosures where you put a top on and you stack a rock on top of it, I would not encourage any of that. They should be secure enclosures that won't just pop open. That's an important one. But if you have secure enclosures, if you involve your kids in the hobby, you should be fine. As for old worlds, there's a little more thought involved. Make sure you feel comfortable working with them. Do not have it be one of those situations where you pick one up, and this happens all the time. I get emails and messages all the time of people that they go to rehouse, they think they're ready, something goes wrong, and now they're terrified of the spider. Or if somebody opens up an enclosure, they catch the spider and startle it, it starts threat posturing, now they're afraid to even open the enclosure, and they're trying to find ways to drop crickets in without opening it. That's not a good situation. You need to be comfortable, confident, have your rehousings down, have a secure place to rehouse, recognize the kids probably shouldn't, well, no probably, if you're rehousing old worlds, the kids should not be around, the pets should not be around anywhere where they could be, you know, underfoot or just in, you know, at the table with the spider with a bolt, make sure they're out of the way, but make sure you're comfortable with that stuff. Because again, nobody wants to see a child get bitten by one of these. The good news is, as far as I know, it's never happened. I can't, and feel, again, if you have information pertaining to this, please chime in with a link. I'd love to read it. But all early on, when I made the transition into Old Worlds, I read every bite report I could find. I was on forums. I was on uh, later on Facebook groups. I was on there weren't a lot of Facebook groups around or any. I don't think when I first started with them, but I was constantly reading, trying to find if somebody got bit, what happened. And when I started getting Old Worlds, I was specifically looking for instances of I lost my OBT and it bit my child. I lost this and it bit my child. Couldn't find anything. So the good news is, even if it does get out. You're probably safe, but who wants to take that chance? Who wants, I would be checking, you know, every time I went to put my foot in a shoe, I'd be expecting to get bit by something. Nobody needs that kind of stress. It's that we want to take the stress out of the hobby. So hopefully that covers it. It's, and again, it's it's something I did a while ago, but hopefully people can listen to this one now. It's a little bit longer, a little more thorough, and it doesn't have my whistling S's as bad as the other one did because <laughs> that was really brutal. And hopefully folks that are like on the fence with getting old worlds, I've spoken to people that they're, they're probably in really good shape, but they're still like, but I don't know. And the other, oh, the other thing we should probably mention is a lot of times what ends up happening is people promise their mates, I'm going to keep tarantulas, but I will never keep old worlds. And a lot of times that's due to the fact that they have children. That can be a difficult sell. And that's something you just got to, you know, again, you could share this podcast with them, but if the wife or husband puts the foot down and says, I don't want these guys in there, I can understand that as well. So in that situation, it will likely, I know I know somebody flat out, the wife will not allow old worlds into the house. She said when the last kid moves out, then he can think about getting old worlds, but she doesn't want them anywhere around the children. And that's, you know, that's just something you got to work out with your significant other. But trying to convince somebody, you know, if we're into them, you're obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're trying to be informed. You're probably watching a lot of YouTube videos. You're reading articles online. You have all the information. You know enough to make that decision, but it can be difficult convincing somebody else who isn't as knowledgeable about it that it doesn't pose that much of a threat. So if you are in that situation and you're trying to convince a significant other, good luck, but remember, be patient and as always, education is the key. The people that do get their significant others to allow them to keep old worlds in the house, especially if they have a family, spend a lot of time trying to share some of the information they get. So hopefully this will be part of it. You can go look at that weirdo Tom Moran that keeps all the spiders that I listen to all the time said that there should be no chance of anybody getting bitten. So hopefully I help you out. So that will do it for this one. Again, I know that this is one of these ones that some people are going to tune out on because like, well, I don't have kids or I've had them for years, but 
please, I'm not the be-all, end-all here. I have my experiences with my kids, and I'm very fortunate that my kids have been fantastic with them. Please share your stories, good or bad, with your children. How many people out there are working, like their kids are involved in the hobby and and working with spiders? How many people out there do allow their kids, you know, I don't want to open the handling thing up because I'm afraid people are going to go on and bash, and especially after I just said, but I would be curious to hear, like, do you do handling time with your kids? How does that go? Are, are, my question for you was, would be, don't you have a fear that one day one of these things is going to bolt or bite? That would be my question. Not swearing it off, not saying you're a terrible parent, not at all. But I'd love to hear your feedback. How did you come to the conclusion that it was okay for that? And what, you know, do you have any fears about it? I, I'd love to hear. I think that would make for great dialogue. And if somebody does chime in, please don't jump on. I don't want one of these deals like with the the message boards or the Facebook groups where everybody just piles on and don't just, if you don't have anything nice or intelligent to say or to ask, just let it go. But if you feel free, feel free to chime in, let me know about that. And then, you know, anything, do you have kids? Do you have tarantulas? Do you have kids? Do you have old world tarantulas? What are your thoughts on this topic? Maybe we can revisit a little bit next week and, and share some of the responses. So that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on YouTube, Tom's Big Spiders. I did just <laughs> tried something really different this week. They have this new thing called YouTube Shorts, where it's basically they're trying to compete with TikTok. And I can't bring myself yet to do the TikTok thing, although I do think there's potential there to kind of rope some people in that might not be in the hobby yet in a fun way, in an educational way, but we'll get to that. I created one of those 50-second uh, or 60-second short videos. They're long ways. I don't know if anybody's seen this stuff, but I did one on... T Blondie, which just basically me spewing facts about T Blondie for people that aren't usually into tarantulas, trying to get them interested. So I did put that up. We'll see how that goes. I kind of enjoyed doing it, but it actually took, I think, just about as long to edit as it did a normal video. But what I'm hoping with these is it goes to a totally different group of people. And maybe some folks will be like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Click on the link and they'll end up on my T Blondie care guide so they'll get even more information about t-blondie because i will tell you it, it is really difficult to get a lot of information into 60 seconds i'm a talker i'm a fast talker and i thought this would be awesome i did a script where first i tried to do it without a script and it ended up being like four minutes long then i did it with a script to try to limit it and it was still like a minute and a half long so i ended up trimming a bunch of stuff accidentally trimmed one of the countries that they're found in oh but interesting little experiment. We'll see how it goes. I may continue doing them. And who knows, a couple people have been right, like right off the bat, you should throw these on TikTok. I don't know if I've got it in me, but we'll see. My thing is right now, it, it would be nice to, I usually rely on other folks, the more entertaining channels to rope people in that are non-hobbyists. And then what ends up happening after they start doing the research and they get serious in the hobby, they usually, a lot of them will stumble onto my channel. I think it'd be cool to kind of have a direct route calling card. You know, these things would be a little calling card where people see them and go, oh, that was really entertaining. This guy's fun. Let's go check it out. And then they find out that I'm kind of dry and educational, but we'll see how it goes. If anybody, there's one up now, let me know what you think of it. I did, oh, it killed me. I have a, once I did the script, I actually bought a teleprompter type device that you put a tablet in and you put your camera behind it and it has a word so I could read right from the teleprompter so I'm not looking down at something. And I lost it when I was moving. So we went to go, I went to go set this thing up to do it and I can't find my teleprompter. So I tried to tape little notes to the to the stand, the, the camera stand, the tripod, 
and read them. And unfortunately, there's parts in the video where you can see blatantly, somebody already called me out on it, that you can see blatantly that I'm reading something. So after I started going, I realized that you might be able to see that. And I tried to do it from memory. So there's a couple where I'm standing. I look like I know what I'm talking about. I'm staring right into the camera. It's awesome. And then there's somewhere I'm obviously looking down at my notes. So we'll have to work on that. I have to find my teleprompting device or buy a new one. But Anyway, just sharing what I've been working on. So if anybody wants to pop over and see it, maybe I'll even share it on Facebook. We'll see how it goes. But hopefully it'll be a nice little way to entice some folks to come over to the channel that may not be into tarantulas already. That will do it for this one. As always, guys, stay safe and we'll catch you all next time.